I'd be quick to remind people, obviously Manny Diaz it was an elite football coach. He did a really good job. He took that defense to even, even you know, higher heights. But let's remember, you know, the culture of Penn State defense is, is something that's been established prior to Manny Diaz. I played for a guy named Brent Prize. I'm sure you did as well, who you know, you know, there was a standard of excellence there. And one thing with defense, you know, I say even more so than offense is, you know, there are going to be times where you have guys who don't execute their job at the highest level, or maybe somebody jumps out of the gap. But a lot of that can be covered up with just want to and effort and how you play the game. And that's what makes defense special. And that's why Manny Diaz was so good, was because he got guys to go play and run through that brick wall for him week in, week out. So to me, you know, we'll get into who Coach Franklin's going to look at for this position opening. But it's important that you have a culture guy, a guy that's going to have those guys playing fast and they are going to respect and hustle for every day. When you look at that matchup, you look at Lane Kiffin versus James Franklin, what are some of your initial thoughts and some of the things you're excited about? Man, I think it's going to be a test of will. You know, I think there's going to be a lot of uh, kind of game of chicken, you may say. I think guys are going to, you know, let it hang. I don't think there's going to be, there's going to be a few fourth down attempts. I don't know how many conversions, but there'll be a few attempts, I think, because I think both of these guys would love nothing best to beat the other, to say that they beat Lane Kiffin. Maybe tweet about it. I don't think Franklin will tweet about it, but if Lane, <laughs> Lane might throw something out there uh, for sarcasm. But hopefully we get those guys. I think it's 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 a big game. Anytime we're going against the SEC. Stay faithful. We got the bowl game merch for you guys. Hoodies, tees, long sleeves, whatever you feel like wearing, we got it for the 2023 Peach Bowl. Check out the We Are Feeling Peachy gear in the link below. Have fun in Atlanta and looking forward to it. We are. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back into another episode of the Lions Den Podcast. Little different this time. First virtual episode ever, and we're joined by none other than the legendary Mr. LBU himself, Brandon <laughs> Bell. B Bell, how you doing today, brother? What's going on, Hawk? Appreciate it. Appreciate it. That's yes, sir. With you. Absolutely. Well, you know, we got plenty to cover today, especially with the, the breaking news of my guy, everybody's guy, Manny Diaz, strolling out of town. But before we get to that, B-Bell, tell the people what you've been up to. You know, it's been nice to get to know you the past year, you know, working together over there at Mercury and State Media. But tell the people, what has Brandon Bell been doing? Yeah, man, Brandon Bell, since I, you know, Took my cleat, hung my cleats up, have been uh, venturing into this producer, you know, film director role within sports, trying to find my way. Right now, I'm working with the NBA, out here in Vegas. You guys can't see all the hecticness out the window, but <laughs> out here in Vegas for the end season tournament. So hopefully, you guys tune in. Um, and yeah, just trying to, just trying to grind, man. That's why I'm glad Mercury, you know, hit me up and Hack and AB. Like you said, we've been chopping it up and, uh, You'll never know where this may turn, you know, Hawk and B. No doubt. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah, might need to tease that for the people. Yeah, I will say, you know, we talked about it a little bit when we were together in State College, but it's definitely surreal having been the 16-year-old kid watching the Penn State games on TV and watching you play ball, watching Hack play ball growing up. I still remember that overtime game against Ohio State when I was like 12. And you guys were like superheroes. So to now be doing podcasts in the same vicinity is definitely surreal for me, but Let's not let's not delay it any longer, man. Let's let's get right into that Manny Diaz news. You know, we're both former Penn State defenders. So I guess the first question I have to ask you is, do you agree with Manny's decision to go to Duke and take that head coaching role? 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I have to agree with the decision. I mean, he's a grown man. Um, and it's tough, obviously. And hopefully, and I see a lot of respect coming from his former players, you know, online, Twitter, sending them his, his graces as he's uh, exiting out of Penn State. But, you know, it's a, it's a learning curve because I remember when A.B., and I mean, A.B., when um, O.B., Coach O'Brien left, Around this time, a couple of years or more than a few years ago, and I know AB and Hack have told their stories of like getting the call when he kind of skedaddled. And obviously different when it's a head coach, a little bit more magnitude. But I remember I got the call that same night, New Year's Eve. And yep. as a player, you know, you feel you feel hurt a little bit. But when you have the respect of um, that coach and uh, both goes both ways, you know, it's it doesn't hurt as bad because you know he has things that he wants to accomplish just as he knows you have things that you want to and we all have goals and aspirations and it doesn't stop regardless of how old what stage you're at and that's what I could kind of see ever since he left Miami you know he wanted to get back on that pedestal run the ship run the show which uh, he's a he's a competitor I can tell I don't know him that well but he's a competitor so you got to respect it and I wish him the best of luck as I know a lot of the Penn State players do as well yeah, and Biba, I, I agree with everything you said. First of all, it's cool to see all the players that he had at Penn State on Twitter actively backing him up in his decision and excited for him. To me, like you said, that indicates that they all respect him as a man right. first and as a coach next, right? But, I mean, again, in the world of college football today, you know, all these position coaches, all these coordinators have some type of agenda or set of goals that they want to accomplish, man. You, When you talk about Coach O'Brien leaving, it, it took me back to when Sean Spencer, my D-line coach, when he announced that he was leaving, and I'll tell you what, that room of 25D linemen, I never heard more quiet than when Spence yeah. announced that he was heading to the NFL. That's, that's a serious moment. But on that note, I, I do want to ask you, you know, obviously Penn State's defense has played at an elite level the past couple years especially. So there's some concern that there's going to be some drop-off there. And I think one underrated factor that you really got to try to retain if you're James Franklin and Penn State is the culture of the defensive room and making guys – uh, you know, comfortable and able to continue to lead that culture. So to me, B-Bell, I want to ask you from a player's perspective, where are the challenges in Manny Diaz's departure? Yeah, yeah, that'll be the toughest part. I mean, truly, I'm not worried about the X's and O's, you know, or the guys, the talent that we have on the roster and will be coming in. That doesn't worry me. It's exactly that. It's the culture, it's the aggressiveness that we we witnessed the last two years, especially last season being one of the top defenses. I mean, I mean, how can I talk, it all the, talk about it all the time is what we want to see out of offense. Just, you know, throwing your punches. Don't stop. Just relentless, invincible, whatever you want to call it. Uh, that's what Manny Diaz brought to the defense. So, yes, bringing in, whether it's from within, a lot of talk about that, uh, hiring up from within, or if it's an outside uh, guy or lady, uh, they have to bring that same intensity. I think that's the, the key. You know, if the scheme changes, that's a learning curve, but – you can, as we know, what they say, you make a mistake, make it going full speed. So right. that's what we kind of saw out of this defense. They were going full speed no matter what. And that, that has to stay. That has to remain. You know, outside of the pieces that players moving on to the next level, which is great. That'll be, a you know, that happens every year. You got to reload. I think we're at the point where we can reload on defense. Yeah. You know, it's not resetting. It's reload, next guy up, throw your punches, let's go, let's roll. Yeah, and I, I think I, I'd be quick to remind people, obviously Manny Diaz it was an elite football coach, and he did a really good job, and he took that defense to even even you know higher heights. But let's remember, you know, the culture of Penn State defense 
is, is something that's been established prior to Manny Diaz. Yeah. I played for a guy named Brent Prize. I'm sure you did as well, who yeah. you know. You know, there was a standard of excellence there. And the one thing with defense, you know, I say even more so than offense is, you know, there are going to be times where you have guys who don't execute their job at the highest level. Or maybe somebody jumps out of the gap. But a lot of that can be covered up with just want to and effort and how you play the game. And that's what makes defense special. And that's why Manny Diaz was so good was because he right. got guys to go play and run through that brick wall for him week in and week out. So to me, you know, we'll get into who Coach Franklin is going to look at for this position opening. But it's important that you have a culture guy, a guy that's going to have those guys playing fast that they are going to respect uh, and hustle for every day. But on the note of who's actually going to come and step and fill that role, you know, obviously uh, Anthony Poindexter is a guy that people are throwing around as potentially an internal hire. So let's start there. When you look at Poindexter potentially being that replacement, how do you feel and what are some of your initial thoughts? I mean, it makes sense. Like everyone's saying, I mean, you have a bona fide baller himself, a dog when he was playing, yeah. hated college football hall of fame. I mean, resume speaks for itself. So I know the guys respect him and have respected him since he stepped on campus. And another part, I think he, he leads one of the strongest cores in this defense, the defensive back to safeties. So I think that's going to be a big, you know, a big uh, deal come next season. <clears throat> As you know, a lot of communication going on on the back end between those guys, and we'll see who comes back. And I know the young uh, Winston kid, who'll definitely be back, who, you know, skyrocketed this season. Yeah, look for him to take another jump. And I think with Poindexter kind of running the ship, it's similar to what I saw with Coach Pry, you know, when he took over as a linebackers coach, it kind of elevated the linebackers to, to be even more, you know, take on that leadership role even more and, and kind of advance, enhance their game. So if they can do that with the safeties who are already really good, and then that trickles down to the linebackers and the, and the, um, the D-line, the corners, Poindexter makes a lot of sense. Obviously, we'll see what happens. You know, there's a lot of names out there. I've seen, you know, Tom Allen from – Indiana man, yeah. Joe Harris Simiak, are you Joe Rossi, Geoff Collins? There's a lot of names out there, but I like Poindexter. It makes a lot of sense in my mind. Yeah, man, and, and Coach Poindexter, like you said, is a guy that everybody in that locker room respects. His college football career speaks for itself. I didn't, I didn't actually know that Anthony Poindexter was as good as he said he was. You know, you get a lot of coaches who make a lot of claims about who they were as athletes. Anthony Poindexter is not making any false claims. He was the real deal. But, I mean, like I said, his players respect him. He's a player's coach. But he knows his ball, too. too. And I think another interesting portion that you got to kind of dissect a little bit here is the fact that I think Anthony Poindexter may also have an opportunity to be a head coach here soon. There are some rumors that he's already getting looks uh, from different schools. You remember Virginia was going to hire him a couple years back. That was my senior year. So maybe, you know, it's a good opportunity to elevate him to that coordinator spot before you lose him to a head coaching job one day because it seems inevitable that it may happen. Um, And you bring up another great point with the safety room. Brisker, Jair Brown, I mean, the room together is playing really well this year. So he's had a lot of success uh, in that position. I want to ask you, though, you know, for the, the fans who maybe don't have the fullest context as to what a coaching hire looks like, do you have any expertise uh, or information as to what that process for James Franklin and the Nittany Lions might look like? I wouldn't say I have any expertise, but just being around football for really my whole life. But, you know, in this level and the next level, it's definitely, you know, it's an interview process. You know, I'm similar to, uh, you know, a regular job out here in the city or wherever it may be. It's an interview process. You come in, you show your stuff, you bring your confidence and everything like that. 
And then on the back end, as we know, sometimes it's about who you know and the relationships that you may have built along the way. That's a big deal. We talk about it in this industry, regardless of what it is. I, whenever I speak to kids, relationships, relationships, relationships. We saw it with Coach uh, Kotoneki. I mean, Coach yeah. Franklin and him had a relationship for years now. And, you know, it doesn't mean that they're out going having beers, but when they talk ball, they talk ball, they, their mindsets are on the same kind of wavelength. So that makes sense. You know, when you come in, you uh, roll out your stuff. What do you see for this team, this defense, this offense? What are you going to bring? How are you going to bring it? Who are you going to kind of emphasize and things of that nature? So you got to kind of come in with a game plan and, you know, see if they like it, they believe in it, they believe in you. They have to believe in the person more so than the scheme. And um, I think Coach Franklin and those guys will make the right decision. You know, when it comes to defense, like you said, it's about that want to. So I'm not too worried. Right. You know, as long as they inflict that confidence and instill that confidence in the guys that I already know they already have. So hopefully the coach leaving doesn't affect that. But as long as you bring that and then fly around, man, you can play. Plays are there to be made. They're there to be made. And it's not let's let's not act like this is charity work, whoever gets the D coordinator job at right, Penn State. Right, They've right, got right. a ton of talent coming back still, even with the guys who are gonna go to the NFL. Right. The, the thing that was impressive about the group this year to me was that it was like the two to three deep was super impressive. And they looked like a bunch of NFL guys were on that defense who maybe weren't even starting. So I think they'll be fine. Uh, I know a lot of people are gonna press the panic button until especially somebody gets named in that spot. Uh, but we knew this was coming. Manny Diaz is the head coach, um, and it was a, a pleasure to have him at Penn State while we did. Uh, I want to shift gears here a little bit, B-Bell. The transfer yeah. portal is popping, as I'm sure you are well aware of and you've already been talking about. Uh, as it pertains to Penn State, when you look at different spots that maybe Penn State should be targeting in that transfer portal, after watching this past season, where do you think Penn State needs to target? Yeah, first I'll go. I'll stay defense, and I'll just go interior D-line. You know, and mind you, back to the um, Coach Diaz kind of convo real quick. Let's not forget, beginning of the season, first two weeks, it was all, what is the defense doing, the D-line, uh-huh. this and that. And it's like now, you know, that he's gone, everyone's like, no, please don't go, please don't go. <laughs> People are always going to – the general public is always going to hit the panic button. Always. But I think you can never have too many uh, D-line. And, I mean, I, there's a lot of talent coming back on the edges. Uh, I think we can bolster up the interior D-line. I don't know what that looks like. How many guys, maybe one or two, you know, if the, if it's worth, a, uh, you know, putting an offer out there. And I'll, I'm also not too familiar. I know there was a young man that was injured. I was supposed to be, uh, was it, uh, supposed to have big-time minutes this year. So I'm not, I'm not too worried. Cornerbacks, I mean, I think we can reload with those guys. Not too worried. Safeties, we touched on it. Linebackers, depending on. Uh, Curtis Jacobs comes back if he if he would like you know I don't see that happening but if he would like that would that would help a lot but linebackers a lot of young guys got some uh, some tick this year which was good yep. and then offense I mean depending on what happens with the tight ends I know we well, got a lot of guys waiting as well to you jump saw in the numbers. news today the we got breaking news right before we started filming the steel no, okay Johnson's going to the league man he's he declared yeah. for the draft yeah okay word word congrats to him congrats to theo yeah he's that's i mean i'm happy for him there's nothing, nothing wrong with that so that's i know we got dinkins and your guy jerry and guys ready to step up so not too concerned in the receiver room i know those guys depend once again depending on um what some of these guys do but 
I know they'll be hungry. I'm not looking for an immediate answer on the outside because I think these guys that are there now will come back with a chip on their shoulder. I know they see everything and maybe not have the production they wanted this past year, but a receiver, a piece of receiver could help. Um, but I know we got young guys coming in. It's tough. It's tough to say where you really – because you, you have to play chess because you can't just bring anybody in and kind of affect maybe a young recruit that you may want because right. these numbers, the numbers matter. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. And if you're a young recruit and think the numbers don't matter, you somebody's yeah. lying to you. You need to get better yeah. advice. Um, <laughs> yeah, you bring up some good points. It'll be interesting to see who stays and who goes. Obviously, the next couple of weeks are really going to tell us a lot there. I think there's some interesting spots where you got to wonder, a guy like Daquan Hardy, a guy like Johnny Dixon, um, you know, Tyler Warren, what does he do now? There, there's a lot of yeah. options uh, a lot of guys who could make the choice to come back if they so choose. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, you know, I do want to continue to shift gears here, though. Obviously, the bowl game's coming up. Uh, the Ole Miss matchup is an exciting one. Lane Kiffin uh, is never dull. That's not that's not in his, uh, his he, he repertoire. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah. so, I mean, we- and stay faithful. We got the bowl game merch for you guys. Hoodies, tees, long sleeves, whatever you feel like wearing. We got it for the 2023 Peach Bowl. Check out the We Are Feeling Peachy gear in the link below. Have fun in Atlanta and looking forward to it. We are. When you look at that matchup, you look at Lane Kiffin versus James Franklin. What are some of your initial thoughts and some of the things you're excited about? Man, I think it's going to be a test of will. You know, I think there's going to be a lot of uh, kind of game of chicken, you may say. I think guys are going to, you know, let it hang. I don't think there's going to be – there's going to be a few fourth down attempts. I don't know how many conversions, but there'll be a few attempts, I think, because I think both of these guys would love nothing best to beat the other, to say that they beat Lane Kiffin, maybe tweet about it. I don't think Franklin will tweet about it, but if Lane, <laughs> Lane might throw something out there, uh, some sarcasm. But hopefully we get those guys. I think it's 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 a big game. Anytime we're going against the SEC, you know, they're, you know, held at the highest regard. And Ole Miss has definitely uh, put up some fireworks. Offense, I'm looking for that battle from our defense. You know, they can come meet the challenge. They got some weapons over there. The quarterback's pretty athletic and make some things happen. So it'll be exciting. Down in Atlanta, I mean, they'll probably have a little more. I know we travel well, but a little bit more in their neck of the woods. Yeah. So, um, it'll, be, it'll be interesting to watch. Yeah, I feel like even still, even with the conference realignments and everything that's happening, you hear about the SEC, and I think SEC people specifically think of themselves much, uh, much more highly than uh, any Big Ten player or fan uh, is that's thinking what it they is. are. Yeah, you gotta you gotta respect what they do, but I, I think it's a little overblown. But I will say, you know, I played against two SEC opponents in bowl games. I was over two, unfortunately, but. Hopefully they can change it here. They have an opportunity here to win. I think they'll be the first team to win all six of the New Year's Six games if they win this one. I think that's what I saw. So cool opportunity. And I will say, I don't think James Franklin is going to engage Lane Kiffin on Twitter. But I wish he would. I wish he would. Because I do think Lane Kiffin and James Franklin's personalities would be beautiful to watch clash on social media uh, if that were to come. But I don't think it will. I don't think he'll stoop that low. Depending on the, depending on what happens in the game, you know, maybe something <laughs> a little questionable happens. Lane Kiffin does a little something. I would like a little sarcasm on the timeline. As a, as a fan, a I would. We gotta come up with, gotta come out with the dub. Then we can talk as much as we want. No doubt about it. Uh, I want to ask you about another guy here. I hate to jump around on you like this, but you know, Dion Barnes is a guy that you know well. 
uh, I got to play for while he was a GA, got to know him that way. A lot, a lot of respect for him. Year one, puts up almost 50 sacks as a unit. You remember preseason, there were a lot of questions about whether or not he was prepared for this job or if Penn State was reaching uh, to fill that D-line spot. Obviously, he answers a bunch of questions. What is it do you think about Deion Barnes that is making him so successful so early on? Man, I think that was a, one of the best decisions Coach Franklin Penn State could have done um, at the time. You know, what makes Dion so special is, one, being a younger coach, he literally is what a lot of – kind of back to Poindexter, he's what a lot of these players could look up to as, as yep. far as wanting to accomplish. I mean, this guy was in their shoes not too long ago, literally. I respectfully, and I had nothing wrong with me saying it, I was his – young bull or is his young bull. You know, when I came in, being a Philly dude, I'm from Jersey, is right there, a lot of connections. Um, yeah, he's walked the shoes that a lot of these guys are looking to do. Freshman All-American, you know, rocking the uh, 18, Penn State, the stripe, you know, laying yes. it all on the line. Man, never wore gloves. I don't know if people realize that. He never wore gloves. He probably still don't. This is a hard-nosed, no BS guy that is going to work these kids and craft these kids into the players that they see themselves, that maybe they can't get there on their own. That's what a coach is for. And Dion, I have most respect for him because he takes no BS. And I know. No. He- <laughs> <laughs> now, Dion, so I got a good Dion story actually. So he was a GA my last year playing. So, you know, you still have a ton of respect for the GAs, but you maybe can interact with the GAs a little bit differently than you can right. your position coach. You can mess around with the typically younger, former players. So we had to think Dion was leading the scout team, and I happened to be on the scout team as well. So we would right. cross paths all the time, and I, I would always call him soft. And he's from Philadelphia. He likes to remind people he's from Philadelphia. So I would I had some questions about the legitimacy of where he stayed at, if Philadelphia knew him and those things. And the one day... I took it too far, and it must have been a bad day because Deion Barnes, I said something to him. He dropped the three stacks of binders he was carrying on the floor and immediately put his hands up. And I didn't want any smoke with Deion Barnes in that moment. Yeah. I, I, I chilled out right there. But, yeah. Tell me, man. Never seen a man wear gloves. I, Never I, seen I, a- I, I did the no-glove thing for a little bit, taped my fingers, and I felt like a badass. I'm not going to lie. He didn't just <laughs> straight wrist tape no matter how cold weather – and you know, D line, a lot of handwork. Yeah, Bricks. man, that's that's vicious to not wear gloves as a D lineman in the Big Ten. That to me, that tells you a lot about your mentality. Mentally man. different, man. A lot of different. people don't notice that. Mentally, mentally different. There's a couple <laughs> indicators in football. There's like a couple stereotypes that you just leave alone in battles of toughness. If you're wearing a neck roll, if you're not wearing gloves and it's cold outside, if you're I mean, there's a bunch of them. Those are two right there that kind of indicate to me that somebody might be a little bit tougher than the next. That's um, what people always misconstrue with me. Or not misconstrue, because I was – I believe I was tough. Because I, I had the neck roll, no yep. gloves. Looking back, I'm like, I don't know how the hell I was doing that. Because now I'm like, <laughs> it's cold, my hands hurt, <laughs> no smoke, minimal uh, contact. But I know when you're in that mindset – you're in that Big Ten linebacker, DM, whatever mindset. That's that's half the battle. It's just that mindset, and I no think, doubt. I know Dion brings that to the guys. And shoot, just speaking on these coaches, you know, transitioning. I would love to see Dion stay, you know, into a Larry Johnson type role for years and yeah. years to come. But I know that he will bring success and teams and opportunities will come, whether he takes them or not. But I pray 
that they will come. I know that they will come, but he's another yeah. one, you know, years down the line, they'll come knocking for uh, for Coach Dion for sure. Oh, there, yeah, yeah. And I think that was the thing, you know, on the outside when people were considering hiring Dion Barnes at Penn State, the question was like, why? The initial thing was like, hey, he's a GA, he's a young guy. Why would you give him that opportunity to anybody who was around him? for 30 minutes or who watched right. him coach a practice or who played for him, it was no shock that he was in that position. And the right. question was, Hey, either Penn state's going to hire him or somebody's going to come knocking on the door in a year and they're going to hire him. And he's going to only continue to get better as a coach uh, as he gets older and as he gets more experience. But I agree. With you. He's, he, he's one of the bright, bright young stars in college football. And he's to climb the ladder quicker than people realize. I think. Yeah. And, and, and as a recruiter as well. I yeah. mean, we know that's a big deal. College football, a lot of t- a lot of ties that we've already seen through the Philly pipeline type of connection. A lot of schools down there, and I mean, he knows how to speak to these kids. Like he's like I said, he was in their shoes literally ten years ago, which is not that long ago. Not that long ago at all. Uh, one thing I do want to ask about right now, while we got you on here, I- I'm close with Lavar Arrington. I was in a class with Micah Parsons. You rock number eleven too. You're a part of that LBU, that Stick City tradition. There's another Stick City playing football for Penn State right now. Abdul Carter, talented, talented young man. Yeah. Year two, you got to watch him play snap in and snap out. What do you see from him? What are some things that Abdul's doing really well? How do you see him projecting? And where do you think he'll continue to get better with some more time? Yeah, man. I mean, this is a, this dude is a key piece of why I'm not too worried about the defense. Uh, I mean, he's another key, you know, star player that's going to only elevate, as I've only seen, uh, elevation since he stepped on campus. I mean, what I'm seeing so far, I think he's understanding the game kind of within the game a little more. And I would like to see this from all the linebackers. I hope I get a chance to talk to these guys is when you really start understanding concepts and you start understanding what you're doing to affect the defense and how you can kind of counter that, you know, I've seen it with more of his pass drops because he's a, he's a natural blitzer pass rusher. I think he can do that in his sleep and obviously he can still craft and get better, but that, I know happens, you know, regularly when he drops back and he's kind of figuring out these windows and zones. That's where I'm seeing, you know, he's got, he got, he got an interception, got his hands on a few passes this year. That's where I want to see even more, but I've seen it from his freshman year already. I mean, I said it this past year, his ability and the tools and athleticism to affect the game on all three levels. And we've seen that sprinkled in and I'm just looking for more of that, man. Affect the game on all three levels, more interceptions. I think that's where you can make a lot of money, and we know he's a natural pass rusher, can blitz his ass off. So depending on if the scheme changes, we'll see. But otherwise, you know, Abdul Carter's doing the dang thing, representing the sticks just as he should and just looking for, you know, more plays. Like I said, there's plays to be made. So when it comes to the LBs, I always tell these guys, we make the plays on the defense and just keep flying around and making it happen. Yeah, and it's going to be exciting to watch them continue to grow up. I, I it's anytime you got a guy as a freshman who's getting compared to Micah Parsons or getting compared to anybody who wore number 11 at Penn State, that tells you that he's a special, special athlete. He's going to do some big things here in the future. So for this last question, I want to take the focus away from Penn State. The college football playoff made big news this week. Um, you know, obviously there are some discrepancies about who got in with that fourth spot. And I've got my own opinion on this, B-Bell. But I want to ask you, do you think the CFP committee got it right and if not, why? This is tough because coming from a position where we felt as if we got left out, it stings and it hurts. And especially you go 12-0, and 0, it's 
man, it's tough to say this team shouldn't be in, but I have to kind of go with, I think they got it right. I think they went about it wrong or the rules and regulations are wrong. I think the committee and how they go about their business, there should be just more transparency because apparently they have their criteria, this and that, which all makes sense to justify their decision. I just don't think the public knows that because they don't have to. They don't have to share why, who, what, when, where. I think with transparency, things could be a little easier. You know, star player hurt. It affects their off their offense, as we've seen. And I think they can't afford to have another TCU situation last year, which ultimately is a great Cinderella story if they win. But when they lose and they right. kind of get handled how a lot of people think they get handled from entertainment, you know, on the side that I work on now, ratings and all that, the money, it matters. It keeps this whole thing moving along. If you don't know that, shame on you for being um, um, unaware. Uh, but so, yeah, with entertainment wise, I think they got some the best four teams. But the crazy part, I think Georgia being left out is more of a sting than Florida State being left out at 12 and 0 to me. That's that's the part I almost don't agree with. You know, you can't be that good for so long and lose one game and then it's all over. And it's over. Yeah, it's tough. I'm It's above my pay grade, clearly. And ultimately, when the game start, people will be happy. They'll be excited to watch good football one way or another. I, I unless you're a Georgia, fan. unless you're, yeah, unless you're a Georgia or Florida State fan. But I, you know, I, I agree with everything you said. I get the frustration that Florida State's probably feeling undefeated conference champ. But I got to be honest, as a as a viewer, as somebody who was a proponent of the four best teams in that moment making the playoff. I was not all that impressed watching a, a third-string quarterback-led Florida State, and I didn't feel confidently that they would go compete in a playoff game. They barely beat a Louisville team that lost to a 500 Kentucky a week before. Right. So I guess my thing is, you know, Florida State obviously a heck of a team. When they're at full strength, no question. No question they got to make the playoff. And you hate to see all that pressure being thrown on Jordan Travis, but it is what it is. The kid is super talented, and they're a different team when he's playing. Um, I do also agree with the point. Georgia wins like 27 games in a row. They just are whooping everybody for years. They lose one game to Nick Saban-led Alabama Crimson Tide team, a pissed-off Nick Saban team. And they're number six in the country, the sixth best team in America. I don't know if I really believe it. Nonetheless, I'm excited to see a playoff feature in Texas. I'm excited to see Michael Penix in the college football playoff. I do think there's some interesting matchups. And – I think Carmen might be real because this Michigan-Alabama matchup that now they're faced with, you know, in the first round of the playoff, that reaction video when they found out they had Bama, to me, to me, I think people might be a little bit nervous in Ann Arbor, but that's none of my business. I mean, hey, man, as you said, Nick Saban and them boys, they are elevating at the right time of the year, and you can never count them out, clearly. Clearly, you can never count them out. Who you like, though? We'll, we'll even go final jet. Let's start round one. Who do you like round one match? Round one, ah, man. I like Bama getting Michigan out of there. I like Bama getting it done. I think Michigan's a, a good ball team, regardless of how you feel about the the, the I'm rooting for the Big Ten, but I agree. I, and I just think Alabama's peaking at the right time, like you said. They're playing good football and they believe they're battle tested. Um, and then you go to the other side with Washington and Texas. I've been a Michael Penix believer since day one. I've been pounding my fist on the table about this kid since he was an Indiana Hoosier. Uh, so I'm rooting for Washington to get the job done against Texas, man. Although I am excited to see Texas back 
in this type of setting. Uh, I'm rooting for Washington. Who you got, B-Bell? Man, I like uh, Penix as well. I like him to win the Heisman. I don't know if he'll get it over Daniels, but I, I like him to win it, even though he was not in in Indiana in 2017. He was not. Completely agree. <laughs> but I do like the kid. He's been uh, slinging a rock uh, really well. Uh, made a lot of money for himself this year as well yeah. for the draft. You know, when it comes to that game, uh, I don't know whose defense I want to trust. Who Whose defense do I want to put my faith in? Oh, man. Texas has all the talent. They've shown it, but maybe a little inconsistent. Washington, I think, I still chuck that up to being a Pac-12 defense. Take that however you may. Um, it depends. I don't know. That game, I mean, both games will come down to who's more physical. Obviously, we know Georgia and Michigan are physical, known to be physical teams. Texas, Washington, they both have shown the capability to be super physical. It depends who shows up and has that mindset, specifically on defense. Um, that's who win the game. We'll win the game. But I like. I would like to see Texas. I think I agree with you there. Uh, who who you got winning the the championship, Ebel? Who's your pick? Man, it's hard not to. It's hard to go against Saban and Bama right now. I'm not gonna lie. It's tough. As much as it pains me, because I'm never like I'm usually an underdog guy. It's tough. You said it. They're peaking at the right time. The Miro kid is. Feeling himself. You saw the video. He wants to hide me. He feels like he should be in there. And I'll say it every single episode of every show I'm on. Confidence in life, but especially college football, will go a long way. And I think those guys have the, the most confidence right now. B-Bell, couldn't agree with you more. Appreciate you joining us on the Lions Den podcast today. First virtual episode, first virtual guest we've ever had, B-Bell. You're first on that list forever. That's a fact. I appreciate you joining us, man. Um, where can people find you on social media before we close this out? Yeah, man, on X and IG, underscore, underscore, B, Bell. You can find me. You can uh, holler at me. I'm open. You know, questions, whatever it is, chop it up, talk football. Catch me at the tailgate. You know, ask anyone that's seen me. You know, I'm open, take pics, talk, whatever it may be. Appreciate the Penn State community. Appreciate you, Lions Den. Definitely going to tap in with you guys more. And appreciate Mercury. Make sure you guys follow Mercury. Uh, get a cop the merch. Mercury. Make a good Christmas gift. So link is, in, link is in the description below. For If you haven't done that at this point, you must not want any merch. You got to go get some. It's high quality, man. High quality. High quality. Yes, sir. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. And, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll make this happen again. I was about sure. to say, this isn't the last time that the viewers are going to see Hawk and B-Bell in a pod together. I can feel it coming. So, sure, All right, sure. B-Bell, we'll talk to you soon. And to the viewers back home, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Lions Den. Make sure you stay tuned to state media for the best Penn State coverage known to man. <laughs>